Welcome back to the Peaky Pod by Story Archives, a part of the Midnight Exchange Podcast Network. I'm one half of your host, Mario, alongside... The other half of your host, Zachary. Welcome back. Welcome to the last episode of this season. I feel like the intro feels so broadcasty, and I'm like so against polished broadcasty sound, but... um, I think the outro is pretty polished, too. Yeah, par- pardon my, uh, yeah, we are polished on the intro, outro, and then we're just yeah, an absolute mess. because it's the one thing mess. we do every time. We're an absolute mess, <laughs> a gelatinous mess in the middle. Um, my Don't mind the fire alarm going off in my background today. Today of all days is um, is fire inspection day in my complex, so. Uh, oh, good. The alarms, just I don't know if you picked that up. Week, so. Did, does that pick up? Did you hear it like just now in the background, kind of? No, I mean, I think Google Meet does a good job at trying to block out background noise, but mm-hmm. uh, the the recording might pick it up a little bit. But I don't think it'll be. I don't think, think it'll be too bad. Well, we are finally we've arrived finally to the uh, finale of season five, titled Mister Jones, and um, quite the send off, unlike any other in Peaky history. Mm-hmm. I'd say. I mean, in every. By now, you've watched episode six. So we know the plan does go awry in the sense of uh, what was initially intended. But yeah. I don't think that we've had too many peaky seasons end where the conflict is not resolved, at least for in one sense, right? Yeah. I was going to say, I, I think this season, you know, has the, the least like re- resolution in the end right like there, there's where it's like everything so just unclear. falls apart and, and, and the other ones we get like a nice montage i feel like we're you know okay it's the end of the season and like like look at what was it season four how do we end that we ended it with tommy going into politics yeah there was like was a nice an neat ending up yeah. upbeat ending season five ends on the opposite i mean season one ends with um was it the legitimate business or something? No, season one ends with Grace pulling the trigger on Campbell. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. So it's open-ended season one. And mm-hmm. then season two, it ends with um, they're going to get married. And uh, season three, he brings Michael into the fold, right? Yep. Season four is what you just said, the upbeat. So mm-hmm. season three and four end upbeat. And then five, we're on a down note. Um. This season has been full of twists and turns. It's been stock crashes, betrayals from inside the family, which we still do not have resolved. Nope. Um, we have a feeling in this episode that we kind of know who may be behind all of the things going wrong. Or, but maybe it's more than one person. I have a feeling it could be more than one person. I have a feeling it is more than one person, right? Like, I mean, we already know one person uh, from this episode fact, who is betraying yeah. them. Yeah, and I just I don't think that's the only one. Yeah. Well, let's get going into the episode recap um, and do this thing, man. Let's do let's it. Let's do it. You set the speed here. Perhaps my favorite scene in all of this season is Churchill sit down with Tommy at the start <laughs> of this. I think it starts with like his cigar being lit up at the desk. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep, it does. It does. I don't know if I would classify it as my favorite scene, but I do like that it is, you know, up until this point, Churchill's always been way above Tommy, and now he's kind of at a 
kind of in a level playing field. Well, you, it's like it starts where Tommy writes a letter to him, and now we've come so far where Churchill has come to visit his office, mm-hmm. which is interesting because you just always get the sense that Tommy has a... This, this scene actually deserves to play at 1x, to be honest, and then there's mm-hmm. several scenes in this episode that can be played at 1.25, but there's so <laughs> much dialogue here and so many notes I have on this particular scene mm-hmm. that's important. Now, Tommy has always kind of revered Churchill in some way, Notice that Churchill's sitting in his seat. I would assume it's that it's Tommy who's given it up to Churchill uh, rather than Churchill coming in and taking it. Although Churchill, I could see him playing a move where he just takes Tommy's seat and lets him know, I'm the boss, even in your own office. I think that was the move. I think, I think Churchill probably just took the seat. Mm-hmm. Now, is Churchill the prime minister here yet? Or is it still Chamberlain? Uh, I think it would still be Chamberlain because Hitler hasn't m- made the move on Poland yet. Right. Yeah, I don't think they've they've made the Was move. Was it Poland? I think. Yeah, I think. Don't so. get lost I, in the. I'm not. In the I'm weeds. just looking at the year to see what what he's uh yeah. what he's doing right now. Well, it's just it's interesting to me that like I find that Stephen Knight sometimes will use Tommy. I think he has a reverence for Churchill. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess. And this is his caricature of Churchill. He imagines him, imagines him being somebody who wasn't black and white, mm-hmm. who saw sometimes there was a need to perhaps break the law if there was corrupt men in power that needed to be dealt with, right? Yeah. Um, this is a very much in the smoky corridors type of room that Tommy talks about, right? In the dimly lit rooms in Westminster. Mm-hmm. This is a dimly lit room in Westminster, where actual plotting is happening, mm-hmm. right? And you have this sort of, um, this beautiful back and forth between Churchill and Tommy. And it actually feels like for the first time that Tommy's speaking to somebody who's of the of equal footing with him, yeah. right? I mean, top, Tommy's opening up to him in ways that he hasn't opened up to anybody in the season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Churchill's re- remarking how it's incredible. His grandmother's born in a tent, his mother in a boat, him in a house, and now in a mansion. So yeah. he's showing the progression. He's appreciating his his ascent um, and trying to see Tommy, help helping Tommy see the value in that. Now, he does inquire about Tommy. The reason he's here is because he's heard him speak about socialism in the house, mm-hmm. and he's heard that he's forming an alliance with Mosley, who's a fascist. And Churchill has him pegged as a fascist. But he's also learned, and I guess I wonder who these people are who know that Tommy's in a fake alliance, it's been reported to Churchill that it's actually not an alliance, that Tommy's spying on um, Mosley, which tells me that there's spies within Westminster that answer to Churchill mm-hmm. and that Tommy is also has other allies within there that he's sharing this information with, right? Yeah. Or there's other leaks somewhere, because how else? It's mm-hmm. not shown on camera, you know? I mean, it could have even been Ben Younger talking to some other people that... Yeah, could be. ...were involved with this. I'm not, I'm not sure how that spider web... Now, Churchill is drawing parallels between world, the beginning of World War I mm-hmm. with this moment. It's, it's actually a pretty unique day that we do this podcast because Russia has just invaded Ukraine. Yeah. And, and um, this is February 24th, 2022. And they have just invaded Ukraine, which is probably not going to get a global response. But what will eventually happen is China will see the weakness in this response to mm-hmm. Russia's invasion and Taiwan 
will be next and that may be we may be on the precipice of of another necessary world war three um, i've i've had the thought we'll see how yeah. how it plays out yeah well before we go too much into the weeds on that <laughs> um churchill is essentially making that parallel to tommy that this is a he sees the offshoots of another world war growing at the feet of mosley and it needs to be dealt with and he says that he has no doubt that while they were in Flanders serving in World War One, there was a time where he, uh, he was working at this above ground and Tommy below ground in the tunnels, mm-hmm. and they were both working towards the same goal. And he says it's the same thing here, and metaphorically, it's the same thing here because Churchill's in the limelight, Tommy is not. He mm-hmm. can operate in the in the underworld, so to speak, right? He can operate yeah. in the in the criminal element of of where Churchill cannot be seen walking, mm-hmm. right? And so he is very much tunneling. He's building the tunnels that allow him for his over overland success mm-hmm. uh, war to be successful, right? Yeah. Now, um, in this scene, Tommy's essentially getting immunity in his response to take whatever actions he deems necessary to deal with Mosley. Churchill knows essentially what that means is that Tommy needs to kill Mosley. Yeah. Um, and he's giving him this immunity to do so and even offering his help as well. So... Knowing that this plan does fail at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. we can expect Churchill to make an, a, re- a reemergence in season six at some point in some capacity, right? Yeah, I think he uh, has to. Yeah. Now, will he be? I think he will probably be a bit displeased that Tommy failed in um, in assassinating Mosley. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know why he wouldn't be displeased that he failed yeah. at that. It was a very critical moment in the uh, in the season here that just completely failed. Now, in this scene, we see a lot of Tommy. We see a lot of his true colors in here. Um, we for, we do see that like that Shelby pride of not liking when anybody talks down to him. Even Churchill. He says, another man has to prove himself better than me and not show me a birth certificate. He's like, I don't have a birth certificate, so they mean very little to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also opens up to Churchill about not seeing the point of fighting Mosley. He doesn't know why he's doing it at this point mm-hmm. and i like churchill because at this point he's almost like a he's like a pastor sh- shepherd yeah. to tommy in some way he's like i'll tell you why he's like do you dig your own garden he says well there's these things called weeds and occasionally what you have to do in order to get rid of weeds is you have to literally burn up the whole ground because mm-hmm. the roots are too deep and essentially he's drawing the parallels he's saying you see another war brewing and you saw the atrocities of that war and that's why you're doing what you're doing and there's a bit of a smirk on Tommy's face that <clears throat> seems at peace with knowing that and kind of understanding that reason. Mm-hmm. And there's another moment where um, it's almost like Tommy's like, all right, I have him here. Let me ask him because if anybody can relate to me and being being up at night like with your conscious eating at you, it's this guy. Yeah. And he tells him about his... Um, he just... his I guess his suicidal... His temptations to just end his life. Mm-hmm. And Churchill pretty much calms him down. He says, "Oh, that old dance routine." Essentially saying, "What you're experiencing is something that is normal." Yeah. And he's like, "You know, I light a cigar, <laughs> and in an hour I want another." And he says, "Sometimes the bridge between hours is as fragile as that, but use it anyways." And that's that's what it is. And then he reiterates, "A tent, a boat, a house, now a mansion." You know, it's saying you have stuff to work for. Use whatever that has driven you till now Mm -hmm. to get through this period of time. Uh, 
and we also get to see not sorry to continue to speak but i had this is the scene that i have the most notes on in this entire episode it is your favorite of the season so i'm letting you talk anyways yeah. go for it <laughs> i just have such a respect for churchill just as a historical figure and just uh mm. and i do think shelby in a way is modeled after churchill in some ways even in last episode when he talks to younger he says there are elements in our government that are willing to kill they're prepared mm-hmm. to kill. We must meet them unafraid. And that reminds me of Churchill in World War II. It's just, we must meet our enemies unafraid. You mm-hmm. are afraid. You don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you have to meet them unafraid. Yeah. You know, there, war is necessary at times. Yeah. You cannot, it cannot just be all talk. There has to be action behind the words. And they, these are both men of action, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's why people love Peaky Blinders. is because of that. That shines through. I Always. just pulled a Churchill on the whole audience right now. They don't like, they're like, I don't know why I watch this show. And I say, <laughs> this is the reason you watch it. But uh, we also see that Churchill's been on to him the whole time. He knows that they were behind Major Campbell's death, but he didn't know if it was him uh, or the family. And he finds out here it was actually the aunt. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't seem to bother Churchill too much, Not right? Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if he kind of thinks it, it was a. Uh funny or not honestly so i have an early season six prediction season six ends with a knock on the door the whole all the shelbys that remain are together Mm -hmm. and it's mr churchill for an evening in birmingham and it and it ends where it starts type of thing right you gotta have that iconic this is gonna be on our bonus episode tonight yeah we'll have to talk about that you gotta do that iconic touring shot where you take us through all the beloved locations Mm-hmm. You take us through all through the original bookie house. You take us through the garrison. You take us through all the iconic spots that we're we've come to love in Peaky Blinders. I definitely think that's something that we have to do, or they have to do in season six. And I, yeah. I have a feeling they're going to, yeah, uh, based on some of the like uh, s- scenes that I saw photos of that they were they were shooting at over the last last year. I think. Yeah, I was going right. to add one note. So. Yeah, Winston Churchill did not become prime minister until May 10th, 1940. Wow, uh, so this is actually 10 years before he becomes right. prime minister. Yeah. So, interesting. So, I think Neville Chamberlain is the current PM. Which makes me wonder, because of the way this episode ends, mm-hmm. every Peaky Blinder season generally has a time skip. But I would find it hard to imagine a 10-year time skip. There's so no would, way. I find it hard to imagine that this season is not going to pick up immediately after the events of, of what took place. Um, although it would be interesting to see like a three-year time skip. That would be interesting to mm. me. You know, I think that would be interesting to me because it makes the kids more interesting too. You know what I mean? But yeah. granted, this threat from Michael has to be dealt with immediately. This is not a threat that can wait three years, mm-hmm. right? This threat from the snitch from within who blew up the the assassination plans, I don't think there's going to be a time skip going into season six. I think it's going to pick up immediately. I don't think there can be a time skip. And another... another Maybe a mid-season time point. skip. Eh, maybe. Vikings but. has done that. Like the show, show Vikings has done like a war. Mm-hmm. And then it's like fucking... 10 years later and it's like what like it's like the next episode <laughs> is 10 years later and like baby bjorn his son is like a massive viking yeah well i was i was gonna say i think finn is finally at the age where he can't skip like seven years every uh <laughs> finn will be 70 75 years old in the next time skip yeah, exactly yeah um 
let's continue onward here. We have a massive shift in the behavior of uh, Mr. Billy Grade in this scene. He's speaking like a snake oil. What is he well, called? He's also dressed oil up in a suit, too. As, uh, oh, it's not he's full, full peaky here, right? Yeah. Full peaky. And this goes back to my, my observation of Arthur's controlled chaos. If you see in this scene the way he acts with Billy Grade, mm-hmm. it's very much... He acts crazy, but this is right off of being ambushed by the Titanic boys when they went to go pick up the opium. This is this is off of that, right? Mm-hmm. He sees Finn being very cozy with this guy, and he's like, Finn, remember, this man's outside the family. You tell him about our plans, and he's the one whose life is going to pay for it. Yeah. Right? Finn him reminds and, him. Him and his family. There's a line divided, says. right? Yeah. Now, F- Billy Grade is a shadow of himself in front of Arthur. He reverts back to the twitchy guy that we're used to seeing when Arthur's in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Which you wonder if Arthur's overplaying his hand and maybe Billy Grade's getting to the point where he's had enough. What's your take on Billy Grade? Is he is he a, is he a snake? Is he the rat? <clears throat> I can't stand him. He's like I, I've said it before, like he's way too twitchy for me just in general. But I do think he is an extremely wink uh, or, or sorry, weak link. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was snitching. And, I mean, we, we've all already seen this episode at this point. So what, <laughs> what happens later on when, when Finn spills the beans on some really uh, important information that shouldn't ever be said, I think, I, if I remember correctly, we see Billy Grade go to, like, pick up a phone or something to make a call. I don't yeah. know who the calls to, so... I would put my money on him being one of the few snitches that we are assuming exist. It's more than one person betraying Tommy and the family. Yeah, I've got to say it's interesting to watch Arthur in times 1.25 speed Mm -hmm. because he's like even more erratic. (laughs) It's pretty funny to watch actually. (laughs) It's uh, like a little, little bug just bouncing around back and forth. Yeah, it's 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 just erratic. It kind of like just amplifies what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Now you do see this look of hatred on Billy Grade's face when Arthur leaves, and yeah. um, you just wonder how much he has to lose at this point. He's already lost his family, right? And um, at this point, he's kind of just been taken to the limits of going to places that he didn't want to go to initially. Mm-hmm. But um, I for I can't help but think that he's kind of a decoy. I don't see him making it alive out of season six. But no. um, but he seems more like a decoy to me, and not like the actual. He's a leak. Pawn. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure how. I could definitely see him being one because he does pick up that phone, and he had to have called someone, mm-hmm. so he had some part to play in things going wrong. I don't right? think they would and try it, to like throw us off that, that much. Yeah. In, I don't, in this sort of show, everything has a reason for it in here. They kind of do have a history though of doing that now. The next meeting is perhaps the one that I have more notes in the Churchill scene. Uh, You have the family meeting. You have the ragtag group of people that we usually have. Mm -hmm. And Michael is, I got to say, Michael does look like a fish out of water. Um, He's the only kind of mild-mannered, well-dressed, put-together one in the the group, would you say? He's a... politician amongst criminals here oh, he's a criminal family, too. like he's, he's a criminal, a criminal too, but, too but he he 
he's come here dressed as a politician, not dressed as a Peaky Blinder. Well, he's dressed like Tommy. He wants to be Tommy. This is all... Oh, you're talking about Michael? I thought you were talking about Tommy. No, I'm talking about Michael. Oh, I was saying Tommy's the one dressed like the politician. No, but yeah, Tom- Tommy's not a fish out of water. Michael he- always dresses like Tommy, from from what I can remember. Like, he's all always trying to get the expensive suit and, like, one-up him in some way. Yeah. And this scene is the, the iconic Michael betraying Tommy scene. And upon rewatch, mm-hmm. this is, like... It's even worse than I am than I remembered because of the when you bridge the fact that in the previous episode Tommy reinstates Michael into the company. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's gonna put him over the open tray. He's already back. This is like what makes this worse. And this is also a scene that has to go one x. The rest of the episode could be one point twenty five x, but until the very end, yeah. Even that scene kind of can. There's a lot going on there, but it's more montage. Yeah. Um, you can assume if Michael plays his cards right that he will be the leader of this company mm-hmm. in 10 years, maybe 15 years, depending how long Tommy wants to do it for, right? Figure yeah. Tommy needs to work until he's dead, right? He well, can't I chill. Mean, We've seen Tommy on vacation once and it was he almost like died in yeah. his vacation. The way things are going, <laughs> he might not last that long. Anymore, yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, but. Let's say this meeting goes completely different. Michael says, thank you, Tom. I'm so sorry for what the fuck I did in Detroit. <laughs> I will make amends for the family here. He's going to be the leader of the family. This is guaranteed. You can't have Arthur as the leader of the family. You definitely can't have Finn as the leader of the family. No. Um, and Polly has no, you know, Polly and Ada do not want any part of that. So no. it's going to be Michael. And so this this move by Michael to me is so schemed by gina and i'm not taking accountability away from him but it is so unnecessary that it it, it evokes the response from Polly, because that's where tommy starts off the meeting he welcomes abraham to the family mm-hmm. and then he announced that ben younger was killed okay um it's at this point where we kind of see like this this pattern like there is a black cat in the family now who is it and it's after he announced that ben younger was killed that Michael interrupts Tommy on item number two that he's about to put him in charge of the opium side. Right? Mm-hmm. That's when Michael interrupts him. Now Polly's shocked because she literally changed her vote to work with the Chinese because of because Tommy used this chip on her to, yeah. to get it done. And if you see her face, she's essentially realizing Michael is waking up the beast right now. Like he yeah. is going to make Tommy have to do something because Polly's old school, bro. She's old school, she's cutthroat. She she knows Michael is the one starting this war. Tommy is not at fault. At this one, this time, he is not at fault. He no. is not trying to start this war. He's bringing him back. And Michael interrupts him. He goes in, in this scene when he goes to stand behind Gina, feels so much to me like he's hiding behind his wife. Yeah. It's like he is so whipped by Gina. She is. There's actually a glance that Polly glances at Gina because she knows it comes from him. And I'm speaking like somebody who knows something more than you than you do and i'm speaking to the audience not you okay um but watching that delete the deleted scenes that i saw mm-hmm. there is a scene that specifically talks about michael starting a war with tommy okay it's Polly. you got to go watch it it's on youtube she goes to gina and michael's house or they go to her house i don't know whose house it is mm-hmm. and she does like she re she cuts his palm open and drops his blood in the water she does like some gypsy witch witchcraft stuff mm-hmm 
And she announces that if you go to war with Tommy, you will die. Yeah. That's a spoiler for season six. I'm sorry. I didn't give any any alert to that. Um, damn it, man. That's a big spoiler. That's a big spoiler. But I don't know if it's going to play out like that because they got rid of that scene. We never know. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I it was a deleted scene from season five? Or from, season, season, from season five. Well, then I don't think it's a big deal. Right? Like that, that information's been out. You okay. can find it if you want. It's not okay. like we just... It's out, it's out there. It's out yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I still think I probably should have warned people, but my bad, guys. Um, well, she glances at Gina because Gina in this deleted scene disregards um, the advice from Polly, like to her own selfish gain, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why in this scene, she gives these looks to Gina that is almost like, I, you don't you don't love my son. You don't love him. You know? You don't mm-hmm. care. You just want the money. You want, you want the influence. You want the power. That's what you want. And so I expect Anya Taylor Joy's character Gina to be a a much bigger staple in season six in terms of like operating from the shadows type of thing. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I got another prediction about their kid. So we'll uh, mm. we'll see what happens okay. there. Um, well, he does stand behind Gina here. He says, and she starts to chime up about it's simple mathematics. You know, I I love that scene where she says that. Um, Now, Michael starts begins to lay out his plan, essentially telling everybody in the bar that you will all be able to relieve yourselves of these duties. We'll pay you a stipend or an annual uh, salary each year. Mm -hmm. And you won't have to have the the um, the risk of taking on this business. Right. Yeah. Now, nobody in the room seems to be. biting at this i am always interested in finn's response because finn is the only one who noticeably does not uh object completely in this scene but you see abarama you see um jeremiah you see arthur's in disgust at michael uh paulie is like oh my she's like this is the death sentence paulie resigns later in this episode because of this because how can she choose between tommy and michael that's an impossible choice between for her Mm -hmm. you know uh, and she knows Michael's in the wrong here. So she can't even blame, no matter what she says to Tommy later in this episode, she cannot blame Tommy for getting rid of Michael, especially if Michael was behind the fa- the botched Mosley attempt. Because after this conversation that goes poorly in presenting this plan, Gina and talks about option two. Hmm. I guess we're going to have to go with option two or plan B, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, he... The, the bottom line offer to Tommy is this. He ca- essentially calls Tommy mentally ill. He talks down to the guys who served in World War One here and tells them that it's on the inside that's the problem with you, Tommy. And um, he says he he's found him a name, uh, the assumed name under Mr. Jones, which is interesting because that's the grave they used to bury the weapons in um, season one. No, I thought that was Danny. It was Danny's grave, right? Was it Danny's grave? It was Danny's grave. Yeah. Because Where did they use him? They but Mr. Jones has come up once more in this series as well. It may have. I just don't know who it is. I can I can do a little search and see if anything comes up. Yeah. While I can talking. while I continue on this. Well, I gotta I gotta raise the volume because there's a moment where Michael gives Tommy the um <laughs> his little agenda and Johnny Dog's laugh in the background. Can Johnny Dog's loyalty be questioned at this point? I don't like, know. Like, <laughs> look at his look at his reaction to this. I'm watching. 
He's so smug. This is definitely Michael. <laughs> mm -hmm. Really, really starting a war here. He's like, read it with an open mind. It's cold in here. Yeah. <laughs> Does Tommy's eyes look a little watery here? Like, he's he he feels betrayed. He is being, this is literally like him being betrayed in this front of his face. In right front now. of everyone. And yeah. I got to say, before we get to the funny part here, at least in my opinion, like the, the you know, levity of it, mm -hmm. Michael's doing several little smart moves here. He outs the amount of money that there is to be made in the opium trade mm -hmm. to try to get the greed out of anybody who could be in that room who might want part of that, mm -hmm. right? He outs that amount of money that would be involved. I don't know how open Tommy is about the finances or how much he pays, yeah. but- he just floats that out there. Then he goes to Finn and he makes an appeal to the younger generation, right? Now, mm -hmm. Finn, of anybody in the room, can relate to Michael, uh, but he does have a choice in how he's going to go about fulfilling his life, right? Yeah. He, do, he feels out of place in the sense of where he is, um, what his position or role is with the family, but mm -hmm. so does Michael, although Michael has no reason to because he's giving, he's been given thorough and powerful responsibility within the family and he's choosing to abuse it and to disregard yeah. it with an entitlement, right? Now, to the funny stuff. <laughs> Johnny, laugh Johnny Dog's laugh is just... No, I don't think he's questionable at all. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> His laugh reminds me of the Joker from Batman. It's good. I love it. It's oh. just like, the, to me, the final nail in the coffin for Michael when he says, mm -hmm. tell me the truth, Michael. He's like, tell me more. He's so whipped. You got this thing. They don't want to deal with a razor blade gang. Like the mocking way that Tommy says that to him. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me the truth, Michael. Michael's using the excuse that the Americans don't want to deal with the Backstreet Razor gang. And to make matters worse is that when he says that, they operate the most like a Backstreet Razor gang because Barney yeah. breaks out of his leash. And Michael look, looks like He's, falsely smug and vindicated here. He is. But it, but it's not really, it's, it's not like deserved in in any sense of the word, you know. Well, I think his smugness comes from literally what you just said, right? He basically says they act like a Backstreet Razor gang, old fashioned Backstreet Razor gang, and the moment he says it, Barney's gotten out and he's shooting yeah. or pointing his gun at people. I don't even know what he's yeah. doing. Yeah, and and Michael's generation acts like they're the generation that does all the work, like Tommy alludes to after this, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there's nearly an explosion in this scene, but we see where everybody lands here, and I'm going to start moving it forward a bit. Polly walks out without saying a word. She mm -hmm. slaps Michael in the face, and she gives a, a look to Gina. To me, that look is that you've sentenced my, you have helped sentence my boy to a death sentence. 
because yeah. he, he will not win this war against Tommy. He is not experienced enough. If Tommy has made it against far worse opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Tommy has two two antagonists here. He's got Michael and he's got Mosley. Yes, at the very least. I still yeah. think there's there's a lot more people that are coming in. Well, that are bit well that are betraying him than we really realize. But yeah, they're the glancing stare from Polly. <laughs> she yeah. knows. It's a long stare that she gives to Gina. And yeah. to me, it's about that deleted scene because it's it's in that scene where they know about what the results could be, which to me, it doesn't really line up with Michael's character. You know, he's always been very rational for the mm-hmm. most part, which means that he's lost his way. I do hope that there's a, like a, he comes back to, to earth in the final scene of the season, but yeah, I mean, um, he's been completely lost since the first episode of, yeah of this uh this season ever since yeah. he was in detroit yeah you know i gotta say i'm kind of glad that the assassination attempt failed on mosley because this whole plan felt too half-baked for me it was it it all happened right at the last episode right and, and it, it wasn't something that was really thought through yeah that's like, the thing it all. just it just felt so you're gonna put the most important plan you've ever concocted mm-hmm. in the hands of somebody who's just mentally, mentally unwell <laughs> you know um and the, the in the scene, Tommy calms him down, but it's like it, it's not enough in some sense. You know what I mean? It's not like a it's not enough to make to put me at ease with how this guy is going to perform under pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I do love the fact that at the end of calming him down, uh, <laughs> he says, "All right, it's time for the meeting with the generation that actually does do the work." Yeah. So, because that's the gist of it. It's like you got Michael coming in here acting like he's the one who built the company. Mm-hmm. And um, Tommy's like, what are you doing, man? Like, you could have... It's just rushing before your time. You know, Michael, like I said, he would have been the leader of this company or this gang or whatever if he wanted it. But the way he went about it is not the way to do it. No, he wants what he wants before he deserves it. And that's why Karl Marx Jr. is going to run this gang. Yeah, it's it's not going to be Finn, that's for sure. I'd I'd, I'd put, uh, put Karl above him. I wrote down like a little timeline of michael's downfall Mm. he loses all the legitimate well let's start with he betrays tommy by not telling him he's gonna die um or he's not gonna be he's gonna be assassinated by the changretas Mm -hmm. he loses most of the legitimate money he gets hazed by tommy and arthur for a little bit because of what happened on the ship really Mm -hmm. it wasn't even because of the money as much as it was on the ship right Uh, actually it was a combination of both Meanwhile, the whole time Michael's fighting this hazing, really not making it very easy to believe him and his loyalty. Mm-hmm. Then Tommy gives Michael another chance, essentially making him the second most important person in the company. And Michael still betrays him. Yeah. And then I put like, you know, sometimes no matter what you do, there will always be a Michael who finds a way to make themselves believe it's not <laughs> enough, that they deserve more. You know, yeah. his motives are just absolutely fucked here. I mean, they're just, it's inevitable that he would have inherited the company but he's literally just completely fumbling his own bag. That's mm-hmm. that's that's the gist of of the whole scene, you know. Um, yeah, that, that's what I'll had. That's all I had. Got it. Yeah, I uh, I've lost all respect for Michael since the first episode of this season. I liked yeah. him. I liked him in in what was it, season three and four? I can't yeah. stand him here. He, he he's he's gotten to the same level as uh, Linda for me. 
Yeah, no, no. He's he's definitely gotten to that level of uh of just disappointment in the development of like where he's going, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's all right, you know. He he brings the peaky blinders out of me. He brings he he brings the peaky anger. <laughs> we're gonna him. have to we're gonna have to get peaked caps and play razor blades on it for like the last season or something. Yeah, for real. People are gonna I don't think it'll fit as much. Well, um in the next meeting Tommy breaks down the plan to pretty much his core group of uh, of loyalists here, which is Abarama, Charlie, um, who's oh, Johnny Dogs? Yeah, Johnny Dogs. And um, yeah, he gives out the plan of what how the assassination is going to be carried out. It's going to be at a rally. He's going to be standing next to him, and Tommy's plan is to take over the party uh, once he um, once Mosley's dead. Mm-hmm. Now, he offers everybody a large sum of money, which Johnny Dogs is ecstatic with, but I'm not sure how everyone else feels about this plan. And, um, yeah, it just seems to me like everyone is kind of a little bit wary of the plan, mainly Abarama, but it does seem like everybody does go along with this plan later in the episode. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody does go along with it. Abarama seems the most opposed to the plan or yeah. concerned. Now, um, did you did you notice? So he just got married. So did you notice that when Tommy walked into the bar, the first thing he looks at is Polly's cigarette on the ashtray. Um, essentially, her cigarettes look a certain way in the show. They're, they look different than everyone else's. Um, but he looks at it because he has no context as to why she left. Because the only the three people who are gone are Michael, Gina, and mm-hmm. Polly. So he's yeah. wondering at this point: Is Polly still on our side? Mm. All right. Yeah. I mean, we already know it's a super hard decision for her to make anyways. Yeah. It's pegging, pegging a son against a son almost. Yeah. Now, Abarama questions Tommy's um, decision to use Barney as this assassin, right? Yeah. And he questions how much of Tommy's ambition is, is driving this, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Tommy's saying that there can be no connection with him and Barney, but I don't, I disagree I disagree. Is it? There's a lot of like little footprints that lead back to Tommy here. First and foremost, he's the second in command of the party. Mm-hmm. Barney was just broken out of prison or the asylum, and a week before, Tommy visits him in the asylum, and they were in the same platoon in World War One. Mm-hmm. There's too many. There's a ton of connections to make between Barney and Tommy. Are you kidding me? Yep. Who would have given him the gun? You know. You get what I'm saying? All, there's a lot of stuff. So yeah, to me, why why would why would somebody locked up in an asylum for what was it? Almost ten years. Yeah. Like why, seven, immediately seven assassinate? Yeah, fascist. Yeah, so, like, how is he going to even know who he is? How to get yeah. there? Well, which to me kind of actually makes me change my mind in, be- in believing Tommy, where he says he rushed the strategy with Mosley in the last episode because he spoke poorly to his wife. Mm-hmm. Because this is a rushed plan, man. This is a very rushed plan. This is like what he tells Churchill, I need to sleep Yeah. in the beginning of the episode. It's almost like he's doing this because he needs the relief of having one of these burdens lifted, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, after this scene, let's take it to uh, a 1.5x here. <laughs> Item number four. Item number four finally reveals us to us who the snitch was. Who was it that gave away the ambush? Um, in Chinatown, who was it that planted the explosive or tipped off the killer who planted the explosive on Younger? Which it was Mickey, the bartender at the garrison. Yeah. Uh, this becomes painfully obvious if you rewatch former episodes where 
you see the windows open and, and Mickey's kind of always peeking or has his ear to the he's, door. He's always there, yeah. Right? He's a random character because we get no introduction to who this guy is and other than like right now. So I remember watching this the first time where I was like, who is this guy? You know, when, when I <laughs> – the first time I watched this episode and even, even the uh, – the last rewatch it took me a minute to realize who this was yeah but then now it, I, it became painfully obvious now tommy and arthur off this man in this scene and then mm-hmm. <laughs> for reasons that are obvious they track the phone calls to the bar which is mickey's phone right mm-hmm. now i have an issue with the way tommy kills him here because why doesn't tommy ask who asked because he, he alludes that Someone had asked Mickey to let them know when uh when he says I think he said when a when a black man comes to Birmingham, mm-hmm. like makes an appearance in town, so he was tipped off to look out for younger, right? Mm-hmm. Now, who was the person who asked him to be tipped off? Why doesn't Tommy ask that question before he kills him? Listen, let's listen to a bit know. of this scene. Maybe it's because. He knows where the phone call went to. Check maybe. It. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. So, so he the knows red, who it is. Well, the red right hand has made yeah. a, a reappearance. Yeah. The Ulster Volunteer Force. Well, they killed like, the man responsible already. Yeah. So I don't know why he would even ask then. Which which is interesting why that happens off camera. Well, because we he he we never met him. He never played a role. It wasn't. I don't think it was a big deal. So the Billy Boys have a connection with the Ulster Volunteer Force. Yeah. Are aren't the Billy Boys a part of the Red Right Hand? Like we thought. Unless the, unless they could be lying here. The Shelbys could be lying here, and bluffing. I also like how every time we get to the more serious or the dirty business is always we always see characters exit in a in a very similar order till we're left with Tommy and Arthur. Yeah, you got a point there. Maybe they already know the answer, but to me, I think the reason I, I was frustrated that Tommy doesn't ask that question is because he has a plan to assassinate Mosley. If Mosley was behind the assassination of Younger, then he knows that Tommy was snitching to Special Branch, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that I guess they must know the answer to it, and they they have been confirmed that Mosley does not know. You know. I kind of feel like just the way that Oswald looks later on in this episode, I feel like he knew. There is a glance that I'm going to pause at later in the episode when that's about to happen, where Oswald looks up to the light and Mm -hmm. does like a signal with his hand. It could have been read as a signal. 
to eliminate the sniper. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there's no item number five. Arthur has a meltdown here. Yeah. And you see that Tommy's kind of been away from the violence for a little bit because his I hands is shaking. Call that out. Yeah, they both hate doing this now. Yeah, they're both, they've both been kind of away from this kind of stuff for a minute. And it's really taking a toll on them. I think they thought by now they would be over with this violent business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Arthur has a weak moment. I don't actually think that he feels Michael's right, but I think he would give it to Michael. He would. I think Tommy on principle would not. But Arthur, given the right circumstance, I mean, he literally cowers here, kind of like in the fetal position almost, mm-hmm. um, when Tommy screams at him, you know? Yeah. I mean, like he, a, he's already like having a, a mental breakdown screaming at somebody freaking out. It's not going to help. <laughs> well, it's almost like a kid being screamed at by his dad or something, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, that's what it feels like. But he, he does give Arthur a, requ- uh, a task. He needs to find out if Polly's still on their side, which goes back to that glance. There's like so many little subtle details in this show where Killian Murphy will do something that can give you, give off and um, play to something. Now, the next scene is iconic. We it. get the resurrection of Alfie Solomon. <laughs> um, when I first saw this, I was like, he's alive? I mean, this was 47 rewatches ago, but yeah, of course. Um, the fact that he was alive, I was so happy. I've never been happier to see a cliche, uh, he's not dead moment yeah. than Alfie being back. Because who can live without this little Tom Hardy killing Murphy back and forth, man? Yeah, you got to have Tom Hardy in, in it. In anything with Killian Murphy at this yeah. point, and you know, you know, at first I didn't even like Alfie because his lines to me were always like, "You ask him a question about the weather, and he's telling you about like soccer or something." Yeah, you know, it's like that's his character. He just rambles. He, he says he says a lot of shit. He rambles so much, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But he does give one of the best little monologues in the in the season when he talks about when he awoke and he thought <laughs> that he was dead. It's hilarious. I also like that uh, he's in. Uh, Margate, yeah, yeah. which is yeah, where this is, I grew this up. This is hell. It looks in a lot like US, Margate not over there. Oh yeah, true. You've grew, yeah. you grew up in a Margate over here. But yeah, you got a connection Different to Alfie. Margate. I don't well, know. Maybe Tommy's making the rounds um, after his family meetings to um, to touch base with a couple of long lost alliances that he has, and he wants Alfie's help to take down Oswald understandable i you would think alfie gets behind this be considering how anti-semitic uh mosley's message is right mm-hmm. uh little does little does alfie know what's what's in store for jewish people in the next uh 15 years yeah. uh but it's a it's definitely a moment where i think for once i'm i'm not questioning alfie's loyalty here like mm-hmm. i really do feel like he's not screwing with tommy on this one but before it was like wild card, man. You don't know what you're gonna get with this guy. Yeah. You don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah, I, I think he's he's leveled out a bit in a sense, right? Like he even pulls a gun on already, Tommy in this scene. Like it's just he Tommy is so random. Yeah. He he is so random, man. <laughs> he likes to what shoot out at the ships. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like he's much more reliable in this. They've already they've already tried to kill each other. They shot each other. They tried to kill each other. They're done with fighting. Now, you, now they have a common enemy as well, right? Because yeah. Oswald hates the Jews. You know, Al- Alfie mentions a recurring dream he has of Tommy with a black horse saying goodbye and pretty much offing himself. Do you think Alfie's full of crap when he says that? Or do you think uh, do you think he legitimately has a recurring dream? Because to me, I kind of read it like he still has people who kind of watch and keep tabs on, on I think he on. totally has people who still watch and, and have tabs on him. 
Yeah. Um, I'd be very surprised if he didn't. Yeah. Whether or not he actually has the recurring dream, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, Tommy does low-key um, gloat over Alfie in his own way, saying, I will continue going until I find a man I cannot defeat. Because he defeated Alfie. Yeah. I mean, he pretty much killed Alfie. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, but I think Alfie prefers being dead to being alive at this point. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, he's he's living in luxury here. He's not doing anything. Yeah. Pulling strings, and that's about it. Yeah. I, I, you're, you're glad to see him back. He'll have a role in season six for sure. Mm-hmm. You, get, you get the feeling that Tom Hardy really enjoys this character as well. Right? Yeah. He, he, he owns the character. You know, Tommy always, I feel like he always ends up teaming up with some other group. Like it's it's been the gypsy groups, like right, like that's how Abarama came in. Uh, you know, they they were teaming up with uh, who was in like the first season. Uh, Johnny Dogs introduced them to well, Esmeralda's family. It was Johnny Dogs. Yeah. Well, well, remember Tommy's mother's side is like gypsy royalty, yeah. and yeah, so, so he had a connection with the um. I can't with, remember the name with of them. The, the family but the lees yeah the lees thank you yeah so he's they're always teaming up with these other other groups so maybe they're gonna end up teaming up with the jews like they kind of do it in this episode well you mean like that they team up with the outcast well they they always need to bolster their ranks right well they bolster their ranks but what i mean by that is that you have a scene here where they're mobilizing the troops and you have arthur who makes a comment like the gypsy the gentile and the jew um uniting in common arms it's like mm-hmm. all, you have the criminal underbelly that is the shelby empire mm-hmm. but you also have that they generally are on the side of the i mean they got a pretty diverse crew of people man they're not like they're not like the billy boys who are like white pro- protestant uh racist people you know like yeah. they're always on the side of for the most part the working class man the the man who's kind of like the outcast you know at least that's the way they do it in the show well i mean that's how they came mm-hmm. up right so for the most part for the most part i mean he's working with younger there's like not that apprehension in other ways that you would see so tommy really does not fit in with the message but he does let alfie know that he will kill the man and then he will kill the message or so that is his plan mm-hmm. i think he's under he's uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't know neither do i the next scene is Polly with Tommy trying to figure out whether Polly's still on their side. Um, now, I do think you need the context of the deleted scenes here, but Polly does resign in this scene. Were, were you surprised? Or what were your thoughts when you break down this scene? I was surprised that she resigned. I mean, after everything else that has gone on in the past seasons, I, like, if she was going to do it, I thought she would have done it already. Um granted she's not really being targeted at this point yet so maybe that's kind of what what's continued to pull her back in um tommy like is stone faced here like that. you can see the distress and the grief on polly's face in this scene she has a drink in her hand she's kind of mm-hmm. drunk she doesn't look good in this scene yeah um we wonder where i wonder where she is in the next season because you don't see her for the rest of this episode also the actress who plays polly did pass away and um, she was battling cancer and she passed away. So I don't know how much they were even able to film with her or not. That I haven't done any research on that. And 
Mm-hmm. I hope that she was able to uh, to finish the season because I mean her character really does make a good portion of this show matter in terms of just she's one of the reasons why we're so invested in the show. Mm-hmm. Now Tommy does tell her that he's willing to do whatever he needs to do in order to uh, fight off Michael. But I do think that deleted scene of of Michael being told by Polly who's going to die and she says it's him. Mhm. Now in this scene, she tells Tommy, there's going to be a war between you. That's for sure. That's going to happen. But I don't know who's going to die. Maybe that's her way of trying to change fate. Cause she, why would she tell Tommy that Michael's going to die? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's as clean cut uh, a decision for her as people would think because Michael's her son. Her attachment really is to Tommy and Michael. But um, she spent more time with Tommy throughout the years. Yeah. That's for sure. Is is uh, the red right hand playing in the background right now? No, it's Mr. Jones. I don't know. Re- reading and I was just reading it to the same tune as red right hand, but no, it's this. They in peaky fashion. I'm noticing that we have a montage like every episode, mm-hmm. and this is pretty much Tom Lee, Tommy's lonely montage. He's calling everybody. He even calls the garrison bar, no and no answers. one's answering. Which, Which, I mean, the, I don't know why they would. You just killed the bartender. So yeah. who's going to answer? The ghost of Grace, who yeah. used to work behind that bar. But he does visit Charlie. And in the rare, I don't think we've ever seen a heart-to-heart between Tommy and Charlie. But it does take place here. Uh, where Tommy talks to Charlie and asks him about how his mother died. Mm-hmm. Charlie confesses a lot of things here. Uh, first and foremost, he confesses that he was in love with his mother. Uh, that his Which mother tried of, to kind of explains the father figure that he he kind of plays for tommy it does make me wonder if charlie might be tommy's father you never know i mean i was asking the question with uh who who we know who arthur shelby senior right like that the whole timeline with with him and his wife dying and all of the kids they have like i don't Mm -hmm. know how long he was out of the picture for I'm not sure, but we do see here that Charlie was the one person who cared for her a lot, tried to save Tommy's mom's life. She was, she tried to walk into the canal. I think that's how she killed herself, and he mm-hmm. tried to stop her for three days, and she still went through with it. Yeah. But one of the last things uh, she did was buy Tommy this white horse, you know, which is in contrast to the black horse that we continue to see in Tommy's suicidal thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. What does, like, what the white horse represent for Tommy? Is it life? I would assume it's life. Yeah, and, I would um, so. But here we see Tommy trying to make sense of the struggles he's dealing with internally. And what he finds out is that his mom had a similar thing. He finds out that his grandfather killed himself. His mother killed himself, killed mm-hmm. herself. And uh, Charlie couldn't understand what she was saying. She said she'd say stuff, but nothing made sense. And Tommy's like, I'll understand it because I'm going through stuff that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says she said stuff like uh, the gypsies made the nails for Jesus' cross, which is why they're cursed and restless. She said, you have to move around or the guilt catches up with you. And that's his general advice to Tommy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see that anxiousness in Tommy whenever he does settle down for a little bit. Is that whenever he moves, whenever he stops moving, the guilt catches up with him. He's, yeah. He does the worst, right? Mm-hmm. But I do like Tommy's, uh, Charlie's advice at the end where he's like, F family. You have to move around or it all catches <laughs> up with you. You yeah. know, it's like break the generational curse, you know? Yeah. I mean, you need to, especially for that one. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder is there is there any truth to what was said there with uh the gypsies making, making the, the nails? nails? Yeah. I don't know. That sounds that sounds like a myth to me. Yeah. I don't know how we could even look that up. I think that's that a, that has to be a myth. I mean 
<laughs> has to be a myth. And like no nothing that would make them cursed for sure. I don't believe yeah, in that. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that. Yeah. It's interesting. I like I'm just I'm curious where that where that came from. From here on out, we have the lead up to the rally. We have Barney Sniper Practice who hasn't shot a gun in 10 years but hits the middle of the target. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so After convenient. After shaking like crazy, by the way. Yeah. Putting the, he could barely get the get the bullet in the gun. I think they gave him a little coke, no? Uh, probably, right? Like we we know from watching the show that cocaine improves all human beings, mostly Arthur, but uh, yeah. you know, it makes you calm and, and focused. We get Mosley arriving to the rally first before everyone and giving his little Hitler salute, right? Mm-hmm. And we get the we're getting both sides of the picture here. We're getting the fascist arming up and then we're seeing the jews and the gypsies arming up to combat them right for this Mm -hmm. rally scene we're seeing the influx of people going into the theater we're seeing okay once again Uh, yes now this girl (laughs) looks like gina has the same haircut as gina Mm -hmm. okay she's tiny like her too I don't know. It could be Gina. It might be Gina. Here's the <laughs> here's the scene where where Arthur's like Jew and the Gypsy unite. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's like it goes back to what we were saying. Now we gotta talk about the idiocy of Finn. My bad. I have this playing like at two x or one one point five x speed here. We're nearly at the end of the episode. Go for it. We have. How many times are they going to show Mosley? Good Lord. Well, that shows did, his didn't preparation. you rewind it? <laughs> yeah, I did. He's I still staring like at six times. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go. I have to go. All right. This was met with fan outrage about Finn, and I'm sure the actor who plays Finn hates this too. Oh, I, I would hope so. They're shooting a fascist tonight. Now shoot. I just told you. Drink and some girl. <laughs> Such an idiot. I can't I can't handle it. But we get this key moment in the scene where Finn does out them where Billy Grade bypasses the money and picks up the phone. Yeah, and I don't know if, if you if you kind of picked up on it, right? Like the entire time we've ever seen Billy Grade, he's always been this twitchy little yeah. little guy, right? Mm-hmm. It in this moment he seems completely freaking calm, and it's just like, yeah, okay, got it. Picks well, up we, the phone. Well, we we saw that go earlier in the episode, right? Where, uh, uh, he was still twitchy, like right, like no, the but that's when Arthur came in. When he was with Finn, he was like, I got the, I got the referee from this and blah blah. blah. If you get rewatch it, you'll see that he's perfectly fine when it's just him and Finn. <sighs> yeah, he may maybe maybe in that point, but even so, like here where where Finn was like, oh, all right, I, I, I got to go, I got to go. Um, he, Billy Grade kind of still seemed a little sweaty, a little, a little twitchy there. And then Finn leaves the room and his, his attitude, like or his his uh, outward appearance could just kind of change. Like he just seemed a lot calmer, almost as if he's been putting up a front this entire time. Right, like I don't need to front, put up a front with Finn too much because he's, well, he's an idiot. But Arthur walks and Arthur's going to kill me. I won't give too much credit for to Billy Grade of being able to put up that kind of facade for so long, but I will say um, 
it's too much emphasis on his reaction to picking up the phone. And he's even baiting him by saying Mosley's in town. Mm-hmm. So he's even baiting him for information. He's obviously on the it's on the cut for somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we have the rest of the scene going on. McCavern's pretty much arming up his men to deal with hecklers or any sort of protesters that are in there. Jesse yeah. Eden's being uh, pretty brave outside, uh, protesting against the fascist rally. And uh, Tommy saves her and takes her down to the... Uh, to the backstage area, which is probably not the safest place for her. He should probably just tell her, go home, but this is probably <laughs> the only place he can take her without her literally being, like, arrested or mm-hmm. taken apart. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we also have Arthur and the boys setting up Barney with his sniper position. Mm-hmm. They give him a little bit of coke. <laughs> Why is this, like, the thing? Why is this... Is that a performance enhancer, I guess? I'm sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you still think straight, but... I'm just saying for Barney in particular. I, I just don't know if it would help Barney. Because well, he, he, he gets the shakes right all the what? time. So maybe it calms him down because it kind of brings his, uh, his body I, up to speed with his brain or something. I don't know. I personally... Don't you think it would have been smarter to have kept one man up there with Barney to keep him calm? You know? I don't know why they didn't just have somebody up there anyways, right? Like, and then dip. After that, just dip. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But somebody, somebody like, taking control of the situation up there to make sure Barney mm-hmm. stays calm. Yeah. I don't know. I would have hated to have that assignment, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy and Mosley eventually meet. I know Tommy does have his little Jesse Eden moment here mm-hmm. where um, he has this chemistry with this girl. I don't know what's going to come of it, but he does have a chemistry with her um he does like her for sure and um he's honest with her he essentially says he's downplaying the power of the crowd he's saying that it's just a beast out there and the rider decides the direction it goes mm-hmm. and she's inquiring who's going to be the rider which kind of goes back to what i've been saying regarding what is tommy's temptation with taking over the party is yeah. he, what direction is he going to take that party going to take it over and run it or is he going to take it over and and, and destroy dismantle it? it i have a feeling he'll take it over and run it but he'll just that's, make it that's his what way. i think is going to happen <laughs> it's like, not going it to be army. It, it'll be oppressive towards his gain but it's not going to be like authoritarian oppressive i don't think i don't think so he, he doesn't seem to be about that life no um which is a good thing it's not a bad thing uh jimmy and mosley meet I mean, Mosley's full-on Hitler here, man. He's he's oh, even he saying Paris Judah. That's like yeah. his little ending salute. It's just he even has a little Hitler stash going on here. He's on a full-blown Hitler kick. We already knew that uh, he hates Jews, right? Like the whole line about Alfie, right? Like, well, Alfie's dead and oh, yeah, he's a Jew. Yeah. Well, yeah, he mentions also the Jews in his speech uh, after yeah. the party. but That's true. Now – Stocks down majorly on the and if anybody and has named a, Oswald Mosley, Hitler hand too. Did you see? Yeah, that? yeah, he does that too. Which makes yeah. you—it's all a coordinated effort, right? You yeah. would assume, in some ways. Even McCavern kind of laughs it off, but he's the type of person that just goes with it, right? Mm-hmm. Now here's the main event. Literally the main event. <laughs> so much happens in this. It is very montagey, but. I'll wait till we get to the end of it to kind of debrief on it a little bit. You got Barney in his position, which I find hard to not like be See? seen up there. Like I, I mean, I. How many of these sort of theaters have we been in? 
No, have you been have you been to a an, a theater like that's like a double yeah. layer like that? Yeah. It's you can't see anything when a spotlight is shining in your face. Not when the spotlight's in your face, no, but there's a lot of a lot of positions where where you like, can't I mean look at look at where Jimmy McCaffrey is. Like he's No There's I'm, no light hitting him. Trust me, that spotlight that's right next to Barney, it would be very difficult to see, I think, personally. At least believable enough. Like I've been on stage mm-hmm. and acted, and where there's a spotlight on me, I can't even see the crowd. Like literally, it's it's like that. I I've, yeah, I've experienced that as well. But like we had a shot right there where you can kind of see the lights, and they just they feel dim to me. I, I'm just I'm nitpicking it, but like I can see so much. Really, I can't see and, any detail there. And the light of, hits us. And if he's in any of the ones that are up here. You know what I'm saying? If he's in yeah. the ones that are up here, you can't see that. I hate to break it to you. There's yeah, no way. Yeah. Not from all the way at the stage. All right, let's, let's continue. But it would it's bad security to not have a guy up there, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's really the main thing. I wonder how, how close he is to the, uh, to the light, right? Because somebody's operating those lights. <laughs> True. Good point there. And I would imagine they would be... I love uh, how they cue Oswald's in modern guys. like punk music into the yeah. old... I love I love the uh the gritty music that they always pick yeah. for the show. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> the song it's 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 don't fight a man with a perm for those listening and wondering or wondering what we're listening to at the moment. Now, for those listening to the audio of this, we have Mosley walking on stage, Tommy's on stage next to him, McCavern's mm-hmm. looking on kind of as security. Barney's waiting for his cue when Tommy looks down at his stopwatch. Mm-hmm. And Arthur's backstage. Everyone's just waiting for their moment. Abrama's waiting uh, to kill McCavern. There's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going on in the background. Alfie's tuned into the radio. Everyone's tuned into the radio. It's very suspenseful. Yeah. And uh, Mosley begins his speech. Now, in his speech, he declares Winston Churchill a public enemy, which mm-hmm. goes to talk about M- Churchill is fighting the war on top. Tommy's fighting the the war beneath, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's kind of proof of that in some ways, right? Yeah. Now, you have the Jews storm in in the middle of this speech. Those are Alfie's soldiers. Yeah. Solomon soldiers. And uh, is that Karl Marx Jr.? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah it, it is. With Ada. Everyone's mm-hmm. listening in. Now, Karl probably doesn't know what's going to happen. No. Charlie's at this point moving the opium using the distraction of the of the chaos of what's going on mm-hmm. to um to move the opium which I didn't even realize until right now there is almost no d- catastrophe going on downtown because the assassination doesn't work so that means the canals are not are actually going to be covered and Charlie's probably going to get caught moving that opium mm. now I also have a a rival thought and a theory yeah. that the Chinese are the one who are behind stopping this attempt because I think Michael probably used the only people that Michael could have teamed mm-hmm. up with are uh, the Chinese. Why? Because he wants to move the opium. Well, he's claiming that the Americans won't deal with the Backstreet Razor Gang. And he's saying, look, I'll supplant them. Tommy's a wild card. Mm-hmm. and we'll get rid of Tommy. He's going to do this tonight. Here's here's my token of trust to you. He's going to assassinate this guy. If you stop this, Tommy dies. Because Michael doesn't have to kill Tommy here in this no. situation. This will, I think, probably come out. 
right? I we both yeah. kind of think Mosley. I mean, didn't didn't uh, Michael meet the Ulster volunteer group on the boat, right? So couldn't he technically have partnered up with the Red Right Hand or the Billy Boys? Here? The thing is, is that the Billy Boys, the Billy Boys and Mosley in this scene seem to have no idea about the assassination attempt, even in their private meeting, where Mosley tells him, "Don't don't squabble with mm. the Peaky Blinders. They're your allies." There's like, mm. there's no sense. Yeah, I mean, they don't know, they don't know true. what cameras in the room, right? Yeah. Now, here Tommy's counting down the seconds because he looked down at the watch already. Abrahamo's moving in on McCavern. And this is what I'm talking about. We see the spotlights like right underneath. Yeah. Like that scene makes him look way less visible. That's kind of what I was going for. Yeah, but you just saw that sim that signal. Is this a signal from Mosley? I think he I think he saw it up there. It was glancing. Like he's looking at something up in the upwards. distance. To yeah. me, to me, if he knew this was the signal to kill him. Yeah, and that's why I, that's why I kind of thought like I I doubt it would have been the Chinese. Well, all right, the person who kills Abarama, because here's the thing: it's not just that Barney gets killed. Yeah, Abarama gets, gets killed. killed. They try to kill Arthur too. Yeah. Okay. Arthur survives, but look at the person. All right, I might be stereotyping, but I think this is an Asian person that goes behind Abarama. Uh, let me see. All right. Get ready. almost like a ninja <laughs> let's see there's actually no way to tell it yeah it's so it's too hard to tell it could it looked like he was wearing a ninja mask to it me. did a little bit because <laughs> his mouth is covered and it's just his eyes it's almost like a balaclava type of situation yeah they viciously kill abarama they, um, yeah they, they they stabbed and killed abarama like abarama killed a guy in season three or four when when they brought him in when uh after john died remember they reached out to abarama yeah and and that gypsy group to come in and they walk up behind the guy that was going to snipe at them while they had the funeral procession yeah i don't i I just don't understand how how you cover this up if you're tommy you got dead bodies backstage abarama's one of them he's got a freaking garrote wire in his hand Mm -hmm. and um i that's why I have a hard time thinking that there's going to be a time skip because everything goes so wrong. There's a sniper in the booth. There'd be too many questions left unanswered. It has, I, it has to come out. I just don't know how that plays out in some sense. Maybe Mosley does hold it over his head. I'm not sure. But um, now Polly's no longer married to Ibarama either, you know, mm-hmm. in some sense. There's a lot of different factors that, are, that have all gone pretty much all gone to hell in Everything's a handbasket yeah gone to shit right now yeah was it the italians was it special branch was it intelligence was it mccavern he has no idea mm-hmm. was there anything earlier on that mosley knew about that we didn't expect him to know about though well think about it let's let's actually think about this for a second how much time would the person have had time to prep to kill the fascist? The only person who, who knew, the only people who could have leaked it were the people in the room of the inner meeting, right? Mm-hmm. So we know Ada didn't leak it. We mm-hmm. probably know Polly didn't leak it. Maybe Polly did leak it to kind of stop this war and she chose Michael over Because Michael did choose her over Tommy. Maybe she'll choose Michael over Tommy. Um Remember when Changretta was going to assassinate him, Michael yeah. chose Polly over Tommy. And yeah. um, my thought process here is 
Billy Grade called maybe, let's say it was two or three hours before the rally. Mm-hmm. You got two to three hours to mobilize like that? It had to have been people who already knew, which is why I kind of think Billy Grade might be a decoy in some ways. Like, it, you got to have, you got to get backstage. I mean, it's like there's a lot of coordination. You got to get into the booth. Mm-hmm. So, it's I, I have no idea. I think Michael's behind it, but who's to know? You know, he doesn't also think, like to me, I could also see a scenario where season six open up, opens up and Michael's packing a bag because yeah. he, he knows the blame's going to come to him and it, he had nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. I could totally see that scenario as well. look even more guilty. <laughs> right? After he just did what he did in the meeting, right? Yeah. Uh, so I could totally see that scenario as well. So one other thing I was just going to mention, right? Like he doesn't mention Michael in his list of accusations, by the way, Tommy. No. Chinese, Italians, branch. I, I honestly think Mosley knew nothing uh, of this going on. I was just going to say, like, I, I might take back what I was saying because I'm just thinking through, like, and when he was looking up and, like, it, it looks like he thought he saw something when yeah. he was looking up there right before um, uh, Barney got shot. There's no way that could have been some sort of uh, hand gesture or signal to, to off him because how else would that person he have know. seen the gesture, right? The, yeah, exactly. He had to have been out of the room. Otherwise, what the hell's wrong with Barney? He's just freaking sitting in there, hears the door open behind him, and doesn't turn around. Mm-hmm. So, well, we end the season here where Tommy, we, we kind of end the season in the same way Tommy begins the season where he walks off to to think about how he's going to recover the company's money, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Here is the same thing. He has no idea who's betrayed him, and he needs a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, Arthur's in the same position as well, where he kind of wants to be a part of this process, but his brother continues to try to face things alone, mm-hmm. right? And we end in a very dark way where we don't get the white horse, but we get the black horse in the field next to Grace, yeah. and it ends iconically with Tommy with the gun to his head, mm-hmm. right? Of course. Yeah, we gotta <laughs> walking out of the fog. Continue the pattern. Yeah, it's Alfie's, shot, Alfie's vision in some sense. It really is. It sounds a lot like his dream. How much haze is in this field? Oh my gosh, so much. There's the black horse in the background. Grace needs to go to the hair salon. Yeah, something like that. Uh, it's so haunting. Like when you really pause that shot, it's a haunting shot. Yeah. It's a very such a dark way to end this uh end this season. Everything literally fails everything, but I don't I don't know. I, I was I was gonna say a moment ago, right, like Hold on, I got I feel like Mosley is the kind of person that no matter what, he kind of just knows everything going on. Like he's been so perceptive, I kind of find it hard to believe that he'd be that blind to this plot rising against him. Mm-hmm. However, he did self-admit that he has his, a tendency to trust people. Exactly. So yeah. that it is a possibility. I don't know. Maybe he was being transparent and true, and he said that out of out of he said his that was his vulnerability because <laughs> it was his vulnerability basically being exploited there he was trusting him and telling him that i have a problem with trusting people i, I find yeah. it too easy basically now now we've got a few more minutes maybe a couple more minutes if we stay here for a second mm-hmm. 
I want to say it's Michael. They had an option too. My guess is Michael is involved somehow. In in a way that he's out of it, out of the violence, right? Yeah. Because he's not somebody who wants the violence like that. Well, it's like Tommy. Tommy's out of the violence too. Yeah, but Tommy, remember, Tommy has had his share of violence. He kills Kimber. He killed Kimber. Whenever, here's the difference between Tommy and Michael, at least what will prove to be Michael in my opinion. Whenever Tommy had to actually get his hands dirty, he took on the full risk. Mm -hmm. He stole the weapons. Nobody else knew about the weapons. He didn't tell anybody else about the weapons because he didn't want them to share the criminal penalty of knowing that he had stolen the weapons. Mm -hmm. Okay? He kills Kimber. Okay? Yeah. Uh, He goes after Sabini. He takes on the, remember, the IRA um, gives Tommy an ultimatum that he has to kill somebody. Mm -hmm. And he does it. He actually does do, like, he does the dirty work. And he's had to compromise and sacrifice his principles to do certain things. Um, He hasn't had his way on everything. Now, Mm -hmm. Michael, we haven't yet seen Michael have to sacrifice anything in terms of, like, having to do the dirty work, per se, right? Yeah. Now, I personally think Michael's involved with this. I think the only reasonable alliance seems to be the Chinese, considering um, that opium probably might have been commandeered away from Charlie. Who knows what happens because we don't get to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also don't get to... Like, I just think that the Italians don't have the incentive at the moment to team up with Michael the way the Chinese do. Unless... The plan was team up with the Italians to steal the opium from the Chinese, but then you get rid of your supplier, yeah. which are the Chinese. So you have to have the Chinese in there somehow. Yeah. All right. So I think it's Michael with the Chinese in the library with the wrench. That's a Clue reference for those who don't uh, know. You ever in play the, the board library. game Clue? I've played it before. Yeah. No. It's been a long time, but I've played it. Um, I was uh, I, The one thing I'm wondering or, or thinking about you know, as it, as it relates to the Chinese here, we already know, like, the Chinese got the crap kicked out of them in, like, the last episode. Like, Brilliant Chang almost died. Yeah, but so that's what not there? the Chinese. Brilliant Chang is just a messenger of his aunts and uncles who actually run the show. So we actually haven't met the Chinese bosses yet. Yeah, I know. But still, like, I, I'm wondering if and how that would play any role in... Like who would be dealing with who, right? Like if, for if if Michael was if Michael was the big snitch trying to trying to out everybody, um, and and get his own way, and he's siding with the Chinese, right? Like who at that point would have been informed about the the opium movement F- earlier on? Finn leaking it. Who knows? Paul maybe maybe it. that's what Billy Grade. That's maybe that's Billy Grade's role. Maybe. He maybe. he he's leaking information to the the Titanic boys or something like that. Yeah. Now um if you want to know more about our theories about what's going to happen in season 6, tune into our bonus episode mm-hmm. that will be posted later tomorrow. Right? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, right. we're not going to talk about this anymore on this episode, but we will spend a dedicate an entire Probably about like a 45-minute episode dedicated towards season six um, anticipation. Yeah. 30 to 40 minutes of well, goodness. As we wrap this up, we got to end it with, with the two famous questions. Oh, gosh. Best scene. Churchill. <laughs> Churchill. All right. 
I like the I like the Alfie's resurrection. Churchill is another great scene in this one, but I'm, I was super excited to see Alfie back. Uh, most memorable character. Am I? I want to know if Michael. Yep, that's what I wrote. Michael. Mm-hmm. He he's critical in this episode because he betrays everybody essentially yeah yeah i'd have to go with michael takes the cake on this one mm-hmm. all right that's well, it i think that'll about do it for season five we're ready we're ready to to, to get on. on to season six this week and i'm i'm so excited the final season and then we got to backtrack and do all of yeah two or three and two four, or three or four. <laughs> so it'll be fun it'll be yeah, fun. yeah 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 awesome all right well, thank you, everybody, for listening to episode six of season five of The Peaky Blinders. Uh, you can find this podcast anywhere that you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Story Archives. You can visit our website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com, which ties us into our podcast network. You can find us uh, at The Midnight Exchange. There's links out to the podcast there and other social media. And if you want to... Uh, I don't know, send us an email if you want to you be on the show, you want to suggest a new show, uh, drop us an email at podcast at the Midnight Exchange. Thank you all for tuning in again. Uh, we'll see you on the bonus episode, and we look forward to watching Season 6, Episode 1 of the Peaky Blinders this Sunday, February 27th, 2022. All right, guys, take care.